no need to whine and slimy blues up. Have some wine and join us on the Whiny Palooza podcast with Rebecca Green. Welcome to the Whiny Palooza podcast. I'm your host, Rebecca Green. I'm a wife, mother of three, and licensed clinical social worker. I also have three fur babies at home, too. My passion has always been to help children and their families. I always dreamed of being a wife and a mother. Parents are always learning through their struggles, failures, and successes and joys. I am no stranger to this wild ride of parenting, and I know behind every great parent lies a team of supportive friends and family. I want to be part of your support system. I want you to know that you are not alone. We are in this parenting world together. Join me every week for insightful discussions with experts on parenting and marriage, as well as other parents who have found the secret to successes in parenthood. You'll learn tips and tricks to make life with your family better than ever. I hope you will follow along with me while we dive into what it takes to achieve a happy family. Hello, everyone. This is Rebecca Green for the Whiny Palooza podcast, and I am so very excited to have Beth Syverson here with me today. Beth, thank you so much for joining me. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to talk to you, and Beth has so much to share with us. Um, Beth is a mom of an 18-year-old son, Joey, who has been struggling with addiction and mental health issues for several years. She struggles with addiction as well, though not with the same substances as her son. This experience has given her empathy for her son's struggles. She has learned to maintain firm boundaries while still nurturing a positive relationship with Joey. She is walking beside Joey as he struggles with his recovery while she works on her own personal growth and healing. Joey and Beth started Safe Home Podcast in August, 2021 in order to help other families avoid the pain they've endured. Six weeks after it started, Joey relapsed, but he gave Beth his blessing to continue this important work, even suggesting an episode about relapse. Beth is continuing to provide interesting interviews with guests and looks forward to the day that Joey will join her on the podcast again. (sighs) This is such important work and such an important topic that you're talking about. And I told you I've been enjoying your podcast and I have to tell you, I've been crying along with your podcast. It's such a deep, deep topic. And um, I also told you my son just turned 15. So you are sparking such good conversations for me. So I know that we're going to help people today and we're going to spark conversations in other homes too. I'm so glad that that makes it... uh it it makes it transforms our pain into something good so yes. that makes me feel really good thank you lots of meaning behind it yes yes <laughs> it's not just going out into the ether for no, good. Yeah. <laughs> no you are having moms like me listen to you and feel okay. um so helped so let's start with um why you started safe home your podcast safe home and where you got the title from okay I I love listening to podcasts. I've listened to podcasts uh, for years, and uh, this was totally my son's idea. He had decided to be in recovery, and we were driving late at night. And he said, "Hey, let's make a podcast and help other kids." And the main uh, what he wanted to do was to help kids and their parents know 
how to navigate the peer pressure and drugs and stuff at school, which is super prevalent, and just to educate people. And so I'm like, sure, I love podcasts. I, I'm a musician and I know how to record stuff and it kind of fit into my wheelhouse. And it was a, a wonderful thing for he and I to do kind of as part of his recovery. It was like part of his process was to give back. And he has such a heart to help other people to help other kids and other parents so other kids can be helped. So that's how uh, kind of it started and we kind of just sort of threw it together. And uh, the first six episodes are about, each one is about different drugs, different um, substances and alcohol. And uh, the title, Safe Home, I don't know. We th we're throwing out all sorts of titles and a lot of them have already been taken. And he, he's a baseball player and so I'm like, maybe something about being safe at home, like home safe, home run, da 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 da. And so we just kind of got there eventually, but we love it. It, it makes us feel like we're trying to create safe homes uh, for other people and ourselves and to have kind of a safe place where we all can, can learn and grow and, and that kind of thing. So it has several layers of meaning, I guess. Well, and, I, and as I've been listening, I have so many more episodes to listen to because I'm like, you like roped me into this. Oh, um, <laughs> you know, Joey is so good at explaining things and answering your questions. And what my son has taught me is that I can't react. Like I have to just listen and try to stay flat and calm because when I react, he shuts down. And the way that you respond to Joey and you're just so calm and oh, oh really? And you ask, I was like, how is she doing that? You did what? <laughs> I was like in, in, in my car driving going, what? And you're like, oh really? <laughs> I'm like, she's so calm. <laughs> I've had other people tell me that and um, Part of it is I'm just kind of jaded. I've heard so many bad things have happened to him. Like, okay, well, all right, add this to the list. Oh. So that's kind of uh, not really great. But I also realize that if I get wound up, it does not help anything. It makes everything worse. If he thinks, oh crap, mom is falling apart and I'm falling apart. Oh no, now I have no one to lean on. So if I can just stay calm, and I have to deal with it later with my therapist or with my wife or somebody else. But I can't let that come right out to him because then he has to take care of me. And that's that's not part of He's having enough trouble taking care of himself. So I just try to take off. Well, kudos to you for even being able to do that. I mean, it's that's not easy. And when I ask you some of these questions, I want to preface this with, Nothing is from judgment. This is me wanting to learn as the mother of a teenager. Okay. This is me scared sure. <laughs> and wanting to ask you these questions to learn. So like I was going over these questions with my son and he's like, you can't ask that. <laughs> I can ask anything. I'm very open and I know I made a lot of mistakes. So, and I'm happy to I, I think, I don't know your questions, but I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm happy to answer whatever you have for me. <laughs> well, I appreciate your openness. And I just want to know, like, how was Joey able to hide drug use from you for two years? Can you tell me how that was possible? I know it's possible. Yeah. And that's what scares me. Yeah. 
I know it's terrifying, isn't it? To think that we went on vacations, we sent him to, you know, vacation with his grandparents and he was using drugs the whole time. Uh, okay. Part of it is because I had told myself that this won't happen to my son. He's in baseball. He's a really good athlete. And I thought he would never jeopardize his career as a baseball player um, with drugs. Cause I thought school would never tolerate that coach would kick him out as soon as they found it. He hid it from them. He did it on the field in practice. I mean, in baseball, they're very spread apart. You know, they're like, he's, he used drugs in class, in class. He's had teachers pick up vape pens or maybe not for him. He's seen teachers pick up a vape pen and give it back to a kid because they didn't know what it was. For sure. So the kids are super smart. The industry is super smart because they keep making these devices look different all the time. So parents and teachers and administrators can't keep ahead of it. And um, they they put it in cute colors and make it super fun flavors and smells. So you can't smell that, that weed smell or cigarettes or whatever. Although he does that too, but I don't know how he got rid of that smell, but I think he probably didn't do that at our house. Uh, the other thing is he lived half the time at our house and half the time at his dad's. His dad actually bought him the stuff. So his dad uh, knew what he was doing. Uh, but we didn't and um but he hit it he 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 closed his door a lot and i was like well i i i thought i was masturbating you know <laughs> i thought he was um needed some alone time or just was a teenager you know how teenagers need to separate that's like pr perfectly normal i was like okay but my wife who uh used to use drugs when she was much younger She's like, he should not have his door closed. Something's going on. She kind of had this niggling feeling. I'm like, no, 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 no. Oh. Fine. And oh, I should have listened to her. I kick myself all the time because she, she sensed it. But she's a stepmom. I'm like, I know my son. He would never do it. So. Oh, I, yeah. And now I'm twitching because my son always has this direction. Yes. I know. Oh. And I know they do need some alone time, but maybe, yeah, maybe limited or say, I don't, I don't know how I would do it now, but I know, I know. And, and quite frankly, when I was a teenager, I wanted my door shut. I so know. It's tricky. I know. It's tricky. So let's use hindsight. Yeah. In hindsight, what warning signs did you miss? The door shut. The door shut. Um, he was sullen and fell asleep a lot. Like I, I had to drive him quite a ways to school and he, we used to have all sorts of chats and listen to music and he just would sleep the whole time. And so probably a lot of that was the weed and probably a lot of that was, I don't want to deal with whatever because I know I'm doing stupid stuff and I don't want to deal with it. But that's kind of shutting down that was a big signal and i also thought that was just teenageness but um part of it probably was but um uh his grades were suffering um a little but he he was never like a super scholar but uh, his grades were not good he wasn't doing his work it was um he was kind of losing interest in baseball he's like mom i really don't like this team you know kind of like the things that he used to love were starting to like be he was making kind of, I felt like they were excuses for, but it turns out his baseball team, half of them were bullying him relentlessly. So that might've been why he wasn't enjoying his baseball team. Oh. 
for he's he's Asian. We adopted him from I'm white, and he's uh, Japanese. We adopted him from Japan, and uh, his school was brutal to him. I actually contribute the bullying to a major piece of why he used drugs. Because guess who he started using drugs with? The Asian kids at his school. He found his people that were also getting bullied, and they're like, "This sucks." Let's go over here and have our own little family over here. We'll do our own thing. So, yeah, the bullying. But you know what? I didn't know any of the bullying until the hospital stay, the first psych hospital after he tried to kill himself. So let's talk about that. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Just listening to your podcast and hearing about that, I was just in tears. So he attempted suicide. Mm-hmm. And then you take this kid home, you find out he's doing drugs, which you didn't know. How did you try to keep him safe after that? What steps did you take? Well, I found out he was using drugs while he was in the hospital still. And he was there for about 10 God. How did he do that? Oh my God. How did he do that? Or how did I do that? How did he do that? Uh, oh no, he didn't. Uh, sorry, he didn't use drugs in the hospital. Although he did later on in a different context, but uh, I found out that he was had been using drugs while he was in the hospital. Does that make sense? The the psychiatrist is like, oh yeah, yeah. We got the test and we found out he's he's had this and this and this in the system, and he was using LSD and all sorts of things. I was like, what? Oh my, my gosh! So, but he had about ten days in the hospital to kind of uh, try to get himself pulled together. He was so suicidal for so many days. I was scared to death. And so honestly, the drug thing was like, all right, I guess he used drugs and now he's in the hospital. The suicide thing seemed way harder, you know, way more important than the drugs, which is always mental health is way at the top above addiction. Mental health is top because if you kill yourself, the addiction doesn't matter anymore. So keeping the kid alive was the top priority so and my naive brain said okay well he just won't use drugs anymore i guess he's done with that now and we'll take him home and it will be fine so (laughs) (laughs) oh my goodness oh my goodness bless your heart Uh, i thought well i guess he's learned his lesson but no i didn't realize addiction I didn't, and it was silly because like you said in the introduction, I am an addicted person. I should have known you just can't say, oh, 10 days in the hospital without substances, he'll be good now. So um, yeah, it crept back in and then we put him in rehab and then it crept back in and then it put him in another hospital. And so, and now, as you said, he's in relapse right now. It's pretty bad. He's not doing well at all right now. So. I love that he describes recovery as nonlinear. Yes. Okay. So at least he recognizes that it's going to go up and down. Mm-hmm. Right. I, I, I love his awareness about that. Yeah. He's super smart. He has so much insight and education, you know, all these rehabs and hospitals, they've taught him some stuff. So that's good. And I've educated myself as well along the way. So we've had lots of discussions about how relapse is very, very common. Um, I don't know anybody who's been addicted to something that didn't have a relapse. You know, if you think of people who've dieted, how many of them diet and then never go back? Yeah. I mean, you understand the pull. It's, it's, it's real. 
So the problem is, uh, one of the problems is he has an enabling father who just keeps handing him money and handing him drugs. So I don't, oh, that's terrible. Yeah, I don't know how he's going to have to be super, super, super um, determined to get away from his dad. That's that's the only way I think. So I've had to, I have had to do a lot of letting go. I can't control my son. I can't control my ex-husband. I've tried, believe me. <laughs> yes, I bet. I tried every possible things. That man cannot be reasoned with. He cannot listen to, I mean, there's a reason I divorced him, right? So. Yes. Well, talk about you because this is so stressful. So mm -hmm. for all the parents listening, how are you helping yourself through all of this? Yeah. At the beginning, I just focused on Joey and tried to get him into every program and every type of doctor and every type of healing modality I could find. I, and I found a lot of weird stuff and, um, <laughs> I went off the beaten path. I was like, whatever I can find to help this kid, I will do it because I am a workaholic. I know how to do checklists. I know how to um, I learned how to be assertive and find the people I need, work through the healthcare system. It's not easy at all. So that was my project. That was probably for about a year. And then I just checked off everything. I had nothing else. I was like, well, shoot, what do I do now? So I, we got a life coach. Uh, somebody else said, you know, maybe a life coach would help. And I know they have ones that specialize in parents that are, have struggling teens like this. So I found an amazing life coach and she helped us, both my wife and I, to realize that we need to take care of ourselves. All we have is ourselves. There's like a major life lesson for anyone. You can't control anyone else. Obviously, you cannot control anyone. And the more you try to kind of make them a project and construct them the way, the more they're going to be like, yeah. One day I remember very distinctly driving the car with Joey and I was trying to get him to do whatever the next thing was on my list, but we just need to go to this or we need to do this psychiatrist or blah, 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 blah. He's like, mom, this is not helping. It's making it worse. You're making me want to use drugs more. And at first I was like, how rude. I'm not making you do drugs. You know, you're the one picking it up. And so that came out of my mouth. I'm sure it probably was not very nice, but, um, after a while, I was like, you know, my son is trying to tell me <laughs> what I'm doing is not working. He's telling me it is not working. So I better do something else. So that was a big wake up call. And uh, so this life coach helped us realize we have to take care of ourselves. You know, put the oxygen mask on yourself in the airplane. You know, if, you, if the thing drops from the ceiling, you got to put it on yourself so you can help your kid. So... I've done an awful lot of work on myself. That's what's helped me get through. Well, and you and Joey have talked about what has helped him in the past. So I know things have helped. Can you tell people what kind of things have helped him? Well, I think even though most of them didn't stick and he still relapsed, I think that all of the support systems that we found for him, all of it has contributed. To, if nothing else, just to put more tools in his tool bag for whenever he's ready to use them. So the rehab helped. Um, uh, the, the the counselor that we found him helped so much. And he's kind of a, one of my off the beaten path counselors that I found. You know, not licensed, not anything. Kind of a spiritual woo-woo kind of thing. But he 
connected with Joey on a deep level and Joey trusts him so much and they're working on his court shoes. Was this Miguel? Who yeah. you were talking okay, because you were Miguel. talking about him. Miguel. Miguel okay. is my angel. Oh, Aww. I, Joey really, really responds to Miguel and Miguel understands Joey's, uh, you know, deep, the trauma that's causing him to act out in these self-destructive ways. So they're working on that, which is so hard. I mean, most adults do not want to look at their deep childhood garbage that's causing them all these behaviors, but he's doing it, you know, and he just saw him last week. So he's still doing it even in relapse, even while he's sort of falling apart. Um, he's still, Miguel is still kind of his anchor. So that's, that's amazing. Mm -hmm. And you also talked about, I'm trying to remember all the things you said, cognitive behavioral therapy, I think was one yeah. of them, right? He's so, so I feel like listening to you, Joey is, I mean, if you listen to their podcast, Joey is so smart. He's too yeah. smart, which is part of the problem. Yeah, he's <laughs> an old soul. <laughs> so, I mean, Joey knows what helps him. That's the, yeah. that's the good news, right? Yeah. Is he's, he may be going in, a, in the wrong direction, but I hope he goes back to that stuff yeah. that he knows helps him. Yeah, a part of him, know, I, 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 I'm sure I said in the podcast, if insight could fix people up, he would be fixed by now. But so, but the hope is that when he makes that choice, that uh, turning point to say, okay, this is ridiculous. This is not the way I want to live my life. This is going the wrong direction. Then he will know what, what tools to grab and he'll know who in his life is still there ready to help him as soon as he gives us the word. Oh my goodness. Well, to all the parents listening, what advice do you have for us to prevent substance yeah. abuse? Tell us how to prevent it. Oh, a couple things. Educate yourself about substances. Uh, even if you think my child would never do this. I remember there was a um, one of those parent education things at his school about vaping. I'm like, I don't need to go to that. Like, yes, you do. Go to those. Go to yeah. all of those. Figure yeah. it out. Um, lock up your medications. Super, super, super important. Um, we have an episode about cough medicine and other over-the-counter drugs. That is uh, probably the most dangerous thing he's used. And he just picked it up again recently. So, ah. It's um, oh. Coracetin, Benadryl, uh, Mucinex, anything with DM in it super, super dangerous. The kids are using it. He's taking a whole box full at a time. So lock all that stuff up, literally lock it up. Uh, even if your kid's uh, not anywhere near to being a teen, like lock it up at age 10. I would, you know, just lock them up. Doesn't, it's not that big a deal, right? Uh, so those are a couple of things. Educate yourself, um, just be aware, not like a detective trying to catch your kid, but just be aware. And if you feel one of those little, hmm, that doesn't feel right. Just inspect, ask questions, be curious, not um, so the kid gets defensive, just curious, like, huh, something feels different. Is there something going on? Try to keep that communication going. So that's the other, another big piece. There's three big, big pieces. One is educate yourself about the drugs. Second is to keep that communication going. And that's what I've been trying to do with Joey, even in relapse through what, uh, whatever is going on, I try to be a safe person to come talk to because I want him to come to me when he needs somebody. I want him to, to know that I'm here 
in the middle of the night, I'm here whenever. Uh, I know that a lot of people do the tough love thing and say, let me know when you're sober, but I don't believe in that. I believe that he needs somewhere to go for when he's ready to be sober. He needs to know that we're still here. Well, and the way that you, I know I said this already, but the way that you respond to him is just so admirable because you taught me through listening to you to remind me to just stay, try to stay calm when they're coming to you so that they do feel safe with you because when we react, they yeah. do not feel safe. Yeah, the reaction, if you can stay out of reaction mode and into just curious, curious is a great Yes, is a good word. Yeah, the reaction means that your stuff is being triggered. So if you could reduce your own triggers, and a lot of people when you have teenagers, whatever happened in your teenage life is pulled up, whether you know it or not. So when your kid comes home and says something that's triggering you, it's him or her, plus your own whatever combined. So the third thing I suggest parents do before their kids even near a teenager is work on yourself get into therapy <laughs> read books uh, enrich your own personal life not even like parenting books just your own self be super know who you are be self-aware learn um mindfulness mindfulness techniques um buddhism techniques have helped me a lot through this just the be in the present moment this is all we have that kind of thing. Anything you can do to keep yourself out of reaction mode, you know, deal with your crappy childhood, deal with your teenage angst that you never dealt with, you know, deal with your infertility, deal with your whatever is uh, potential to be triggering. So when your kid is having troubles that you can still stay grounded and centered. Such good advice because I think reactivity is the worst thing we can do as parents. And we're all guilty. Every yeah, single one of us is guilty. I, I still do it. So, I mean, I have worked on that so much. I mean, I work on it every day. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's talk about sugar. Yes. <laughs> I can relate to this so much. So I love that you talk about how sugar with you is how you relate to Joey. Can you talk about that? Yeah, I, I've been off sugar almost five years now. Oh my uh, God. I haven't had sugar in any form, agave, honey, nothing um, for five years uh, or flour. I cut out flour too. And it's through a program called Brightline Eating. I highly, highly recommend it. Um, it supports you through it because it's not easy, especially at the beginning. Uh, but now it's such a habit. I can't ever imagine myself ever going back. So, but i was a complete sugar addict since i was probably a baby i think i grabbed onto sugar i there's a picture of me on the floor with a big tub of sugar just eating it i was about one years old maybe one and a half or two i don't know and i was just stuffing the sugar in my face and i had a cast on my foot uh, from some sort of um surgery i had i had to get a new cast because the sugar went into my cast and it just made a big mess I was in the sugar and I feel like I did not have a sweet, sweet nurturing mother uh, or family, you know, they were dealing with their own stuff. So it's not their fault, but I feel like I went to that sugar for that sweet nurturing and it served me well. I, it was always there. I could always grab it. I would, 
you know, eat all sorts of stuff. And when I was a kid, it didn't matter because your metabolism kind of works it off. <laughs> you know, you'd eat a whole jar of marshmallow cream or whatever I would do. And it caught up to me though, because I kept at it and, you know, it just, it, after a while you, you start gaining weight off of eating way too much sugar and, and binging and, you know, there was a lot of bad habits I had around eating. So I just hate that feeling of, I would be teaching a, a piano lesson and I couldn't concentrate on my student because I was like, do I have time after this lesson to go to the store and get a little pint of ice cream and come back and eat it and hide the thing before the next student comes? I mean, that's the kind, and guess what that sounds like? A drug addict, because that's what it is. Sugar is a highly refined powder, very similar to other highly refined powders that other people use you know, to snort or to, you know, it's exactly the same to your brain. And it does literally the same thing to your brain, the dopamine center. There's all sorts of science around this, but it doesn't matter what the substance is. It can even be a behavior. I'm also a workaholic. It can be that drive to, oh, I just have to do one more thing, one more thing. Uh, whenever you have that one more thing and then I'll be done. And then sometimes it's not that, okay, one more, one more thing, you know, I'm stuck on that stupid Wordle game now. I can't, I have to take that off my phone. I don't know if anyone else is doing that game. Everybody's posting about it. I have, I'm not, I'm not touching it. Don't go there, don't go there. It, cause anything that says play again, play again. It's, you know why they do that? To get you hooked on the dang thing. So they can advertise to you more, except Wordle is not advertised. But you know, anything that is a scroll, keep scrolling, keep um, gambling is another good one that one more, one more. Whenever you feel that one more, one more, that's addiction. And I am so glad that I understand addiction because I can empathize with my son. He happened to get addicted to uh, weed and nicotine first. That was his first, um, I think it was nicotine first and then weed shortly thereafter. And those substances are extremely addictive, especially nicotine. Um, and weed is also addictive. A lot of people don't think it is, but it totally is. And um, so it, it, I just happened to hate those substances. I never went to those, but he did. And it worked for him. It's like a coping mechanism, right? He's like, wow, this makes me feel, takes away a lot of pain, makes me feel connected with my peers, which is, he was missing connection, right? So it solved a lot of problems for him. So instead of feeling like he's naughty or uh, a no good, you know, low life drug addict, which is our culture, man, our culture demonizes drug addicts. So um, it's, I can just picture him doing the same exact stuff I do. Exactly the same. Just oh, unfortunately, yeah. his substances will kill him a lot quicker. You know, oh. sugar will kill you eventually. You yeah. know, it, it's not good for you, slower. but slower, it's slower really slow, slow <sighs> So does he see that you relate to him through this? Oh yeah, yeah, we talk about it all the time. We talk about it at the beginning, we continue to talk about it. And being in relapse, I'm like, I know Joe, I know. You know, it took me, I was in my late 40s before I figured it out, so he's only 18. Right, right, I know, I, I get it. We're in our 40s still trying to figure things out and he's so young. Yes, and we're expecting uh, these kids to just, Come on, you guys, get it together. Well, come on, let's have some compassion here. 
agree. I totally agree. I love that you say that. How do you feel off of sugar? Oh, great. Oh, I don't, the thing I, when I cleared away sugar and flour, the first week was hell. It was horrible. <laughs> you know, headache. That's how you know something's addictive is when you try to get off it and your body's like, whoa, this does not feel good. That means that substance is addictive to you. So you have to just push through, get a lot of support. But after the first week, I cleared out so many miles of brain space. That's the main thing it did. Well, plus I lost 65 pounds and have kept it off for five years. Wow. Uh, yeah, I've been in the same five pound range for like four and a half years after I lost that weight. It's not an issue for me anymore. And I don't think about it. I don't think about food except for I plan out what I'm going to eat and then I eat it. Plan it out, eat it, plan it out, eat it. That's all. So That's amazing. Yeah. Well, I'm impressed with you because I, I know personally how addicting sugar is. So um, what do you think your biggest lesson is in all of this? Uh, the main lesson is to focus on myself. Mm. And even when I say that, I sound, I sound selfish. I'm like, Oof, no. that doesn't sound good. That's what we have to do. You know, moms, we are so used to just taking care of everyone else the kid and the husband and the wife and the because uh, i had both my my parents you know take care of everyone and you're at the end of the list that doesn't work so well it works for a while i was pretty good at it actually when joey was little and before he fell apart i was pretty good at it i was able to manage everything you know keep all the balls in the air but eventually the balls are going to start tumbling down and then all you have left is you and you got to deal with you somehow such good advice. Oh, I love that advice. What else do you want to share that I didn't think to ask you? Uh, it's on my mind lately. So I would just like to mention, um, I sort of touched on it, but that adoption trauma is a real thing. Yes. Yes. Adoption trauma. People think adoption is so lovely and they're so lucky to have parents that wanted them. And yes. And it sucks having to be relinquished and no matter how great your adoptive family is and god knows we tried to be really really good family turns out we're just like humans but no matter how good the adoptive family is that child was relinquished by their birth parent and that is traumatic period yes that is the root core pain that my son deals with every single day. So as an adoptive mom, I have to go, well, I contributed to that. I, I contributed to that adoption cycle. And so I'm trying to really <sighs> spread the word. And it's tough as an adoptive mom, because I did that. And, and I know somebody else would have adopted him. Okay. But um, so I'm trying to, uh, as recompense, I guess, to get the word out that adoption is really, really, really painful and adoptive people live with that every single day. Yes, that is really hard. I, I, I told you I haven't talked about adoption or addiction yet on this podcast. So you are bringing two really serious, important topics mm -hmm. to all the listeners. And his mom, I think, was way too young to care for him, yeah. right? She was so Oh my goodness. So, I mean, I know we say he was lucky to have found 
for you to have found him, but I totally understand his abandonment issues that he's still struggling with. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. There's a really great book called The Primal Wound, if anyone wants to read any more about it. If they're a birth parent, an adopted person, or an adoptive parent, it's a really good book. Awesome. Thank you for that resource. Can you tell everyone where to go find you? Yeah. Our podcast is Safe Home Podcast. You can find it on any of your podcast apps um, or on YouTube. We, We stream it on YouTube. It's just audio, but we put it on YouTube because some people don't like dealing with podcasts. And uh, you can email me anytime at safehomepodcast at gmail.com. And you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Just look up Safe Home Podcast. It shows up. Well, thank you for addressing such a needed topic. You're welcome. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to get some of this information out. Well, I appreciate your time and I just loved talking to you. Thank you very much. It's nice to talk to you too. Thank you very much. This is Rebecca Green reminding everyone to spend every day laughing, learning, and loving. Thank you for tuning in to the Whiny Palooza podcast. If you like what you heard, please be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. While you are there, leave a review. I love to hear your feedback. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time. This show has been produced by Market Domination, LLC. To discover how you can have your own show completely done for you and turn it into a real published book and become the authority in your marketplace, go to www.marketdominationllc.com slash podcast offer. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.